welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I am your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Wifford. Hey. So today, we're going to be starting our Shadow and Bone coverage, Season 2 on Netflix, starting off with Episode 1, titled... No Shelter But Me. No Shelter But Me. How romantic. So, (laughs) that pretty much sums up my feelings of this episode, but... Before we get in and cover any of that, let's give out the typical reminders here. So if you want to get in contact with the show, you could send us an email, which is fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, which is at fantasyrewindpod. Or you can tweet at us on Twitter, and that is at fantasyrewind. All right, without any farther delay, let's hop into the rewind. Fantasy Rewind. All right, it's been a minute since we've been in the Grishaverse, Dylan, and we actually have never covered the first season of Shadow and Bone, which we will, Very as I so. said before, we'll have to rectify at some point. But initial feeling of being back in the Grishaverse with this first episode, go. So first of all, I'm just excited because I enjoyed season one of Shadow and Bone quite a bit. It inspired me enough to buy <laughs> the entire main trilogy as well as one of the other spin-off duologies. Um, I haven't touched the duologies yet, but I've read through Shadow and Bone, the first book. I'm about to start uh, Siege and Storm, which is book two of this. I kind of want to watch the season first, then read the yeah. book, and then be like, what did I just watch? So (laughs) I might save uh, that book until after the season is finished, or at least after I finish the season season here. But yeah, all in all, I'm glad to be back in here. Uh, The trailer for this looked good. I was pretty hyped. And all in all, so far, like, it's, it's like, it's an enjoyable experience. I'm, I'm glad to talk about it. What about you? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Me too. I was actually really surprised at how excited I was when I turned it on and I've avoided trailers and any, everything else that I could have, but seeing Al- uh, Alina and Mel back on the screen there and their kind of their chemistry together, I just felt like it was like, it was really fresh. <laughs> it felt really authentic and not like super corny, which was surprising to me. Cause I thought at the end of the first season, I got a little annoyed with them, but like There's little cheese at the end of the season I- one. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just pumped to be back in this universe. I love these characters. I really love the crows. Oh, yeah. And it's fun that they're going between the two, and we have some new characters that I'm really actually excited about. I'm pumped to jump in here. I'm not going to, we're, let's not do a play by play um, with this because let's just jump in here and just talk about some of the things we liked and what we're curious about, what we didn't like, and maybe what we're excited for or what we think is going to be going on as we continue the season because neither of us have read the second book, but we both read the first book and we both watched the first season. So, Dylan, some of your favorite parts in this first episode. So I think for me, this is going to come as a little bit of a shock, I feel like, but my favorite part of the first episode is actually not at all involved with the Sun Summoner not involved with the tracker. <laughs> it's involved with Kaz and the crew of the crows because when they hop off that boat, their world's flipped upside down. They have no idea what's mm. waiting for them. And just the fact that, you know, Pekka Rollins has like set them up for murder, has taken over mm-hmm. the crow club, and they are now homeless, wanted, and like wrongfully accused. So 
it's a shock for them stepping off the boat, and I'm there for it. I'm excited about that. Let me build on that because I thought in the first season, you know, we we got a taste of them, but we really didn't get too much. Not enough, you know? Mm. Like, they seemed cool. We saw they were coming over from this area that seemed kind of sleazy, and they own this club, and he had made a deal to, you know, get uh, Inya's release there out of her indentured servitude. And uh, I was just kind of like, okay, like, he's supposed to be kind of big and bad, but he doesn't really seem big and bad, Kaz. Mm -hmm. You know, he's this mastermind for this group, the Crows, and obviously they have some clout if this guy wants to go after him. But I think this season already, you're just like, oh, wow, like, he's (laughs) he's got some, he's got some charisma, he's got some definitely forethinking, and Mm -hmm. he's not afraid to go all big bad boss here. And I, I love that. I am really excited for really their their story. And I know at some point the two are going to inter, interweave again. But it's really exciting. And I love that Nina, 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 Nina. <laughs> Whatever you want to call the, her. I know, but the, uh, the uh, oh my gosh. The what healer lady? No, the heart. Oh, the heart render. render. Okay. Yeah, Nina. Yeah, the heart render. Nina. And the heart render from the first season, who had the love affair with the Fjordan slaver, guy. but yeah, who based the culture that hates the Grisha. Yes. Um, I love that she's back and she she wants to rescue him. So these three storylines that were sort of established in the first season are going to be coming to the forefront and really connecting in a lot of interesting ways. So I want to jump in there really quick, Mike, because you just talked about the three different storylines, and those are the three book series. So you have the main trilogy, which is Mm -hmm. going to be about Alina Starkov and, you know, the Darkling and and Mel and everything like that. But then the second, or sorry, another series here, one of the duologies is the um, <clears throat> the Two for Crows duology, which is about Kaz and his crew of crows. Then there is a third uh, book series in the, in the Grishaverse here. It's another duology, so only a two-book one, and it's about Nina and the Fjordan. So I didn't mm. even know that that third one existed until I was at Barnes & Noble's recently, and I saw it out because obviously they had a, had a display of yeah. all the Grishaverse books there. So I just thought I'd throw that information in there. But to throw it back to what you said about Kaz, the ending of episode one here really reminded me of Fight Club. Where I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about with that, but at the end no, of, at the end of Fight, Fight Club, Club. Okay. It's a little spoiler for you then, but it's okay. Because I doubt it's you'll okay. actually watch the movie. Uh, but in the not. end of Fight Club... <laughs> Edward Norton's character takes his love interest to the roof and then you just see bombs blowing up all over the city and causing some chaos there. And then so at the towards the end of episode one here, you see Kaz going up to the roof mm-hmm. and blowing up the Crows Club, sending it all crumbling down. And so it just kind of reminded me of Fight Club there and like that little bit of anarchist mentality of like, Oh, if you can't, if I can't have it, you will not have it. Like, I will yeah. rather destroy my club rather than let Pekka Rollins keep it for himself. Boom. And he just ruins it there. And so I just thought that this episode did a good job of, like you said, really showing you that Kaz is someone you don't want to cross. And he's someone who has some pretty good resources up his sleeve 
even when he's backed into a corner and caught off guard. Yeah. And that leads me into kind of another one of my favorite parts, at least for this episode, is the introduction of two new characters mm-hmm. who I both really I really like both of them. I think they're both hits for me and they're going to be very interesting going forward. Uh, the first was uh, Sturmhand, Sturmhand, <laughs> the privateer, mm, who was yeah, the original okay. person who hired the crows to go get uh, Lena Starkov. And there's definitely more to him than meets the eye. But he, he uh, and at the end of the episode, you find out that Alina and Mel end up on his ship because he's looking for him and he was the one searching for him. So he's going to be really interesting because he sort of gives me like Kaz vibes mm. where he is a bit of a mastermind of sorts. And, you know, he's thinking ahead a few plans and they sort of have a bit of a back and forth when they're talking too. And he, you know, Kaz sort of almost compliments him because like, He's like, yeah, he already figured this out. He knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think he's going to be really interesting going forward. And then the other one is Wylan. Uh, and he is the demolition man for Kaz and the ah, crows. okay, yeah, yeah. And I think he's going to be a really nice... He's going to be... He's going to have really nice interactions with the crows. And specifically, uh, Jesper. I think him and Jesper are going to have... Probably, honestly, a romantic relationship, if I have to, if I have to guess. Would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love Jesper. I think he's such a fun character. Like, you know, he's the the gunsmith, or he's the gunslinger, but he's also, um, he's also a Grisha. Yeah, I was say, he's a secret Grisha. Yeah, he can turn, he's uh, one of the ones who can turn materials into anything, right? And so, like, and so that I reveal, that, I want to touch on that for a second. That yeah. was not a part of season one, if I remember correctly. Like, it was not no, revealed was that not. Jesper is, a, like, an actual Grisha. And so when they but come Kaz out... figures yeah, it out. Yeah, and they come out in season two here, and Kaz just, like, casually drops it. Oh, yeah, I knew about that. It's like, whoa, we didn't know about that, or at least I didn't know about that. So yeah. that kind of caught me off guard with uh, with him being a secret Grisha. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to say, too... Obviously, oh, man, I just am so excited for the crows because that entire plotline, I can't wait for more background with them. Like, I think Inej has so much, like, so many interesting things to reveal. Like, how did she end up here? Yeah. Why did she, was it a choice to come here? Like, did she want a better life or something? And she just ended up getting into this situation. Was she specially trained before? Or was she trained at this club to be this way? Because she is, like, she is badass. She's fantastic. <laughs> I like her a lot, but you know that she worked for a menagerie, and it sounds almost yes. like it was a brothel slash menagerie. Like, I don't know exactly like what it was, but yeah, it sounded... what it entailed. Yeah, it sounded like she was in a bad situation before, and it almost gave me the vibes of that, like, something she was, like, sold into as, like, a young child. And yeah. she has some great skills, though, so I'd like to see, like, where she picked those up from, if they touch on her backstory Correct. at all. Yeah, like who's her mentor? And if her boss got killed that easily, like that's, I man, I wish they hadn't done that off screen because I think that would have been a really interesting way to end the first season. Mm. And I know it would have, you know, now we wouldn't have this like, oh wow, he took over the club and everything kind of surprise. But I think it still would have been interesting, you know, it still would have been a bit of a cliffhanger to the first season in that regard. But you know, I just, I guess, I just, I'm just so interested. I want to know everything about. <laughs> the entire realm that they're in the area but all right oh the other thing since you haven't jumped in here to share ahead, <laughs> the other two characters that i'm really i really like brother kind of sister. their energy i don't know if they're brother and sister necessarily 
Uh, they're two members of Sturmont's crew. So they've got a warrior here. I just looked up their names so we could use them. And, oh yes, they are brother and sister. You're right. So we have Tamar and Tolia. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in them as well. And like you said, the the privateer, not a pirate dude, seems really yeah. cool too. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him coming up too. But I'm sorry, go right ahead about uh, the t- uh, two siblings. I, I just like love their dynamic. I thought like they had really fun energy. Very much crows, Jasper, mm. Jasper. And uh, if there was two of them talking to <laughs> himself. And so like I really dig that because it's a nice sort of counter for the sun summoner and how sometimes she can be very proper and like, very serious. Oh no, the world's ending. Yeah. And Mel, I'll protect you at all costs. I'm Batman. And yeah. Well, no, the real Batman is in yet. Uh, is in edge. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she just <laughs> disappears, which is just <laughs> the best thing ever. But yeah, I'm really excited for all these characters. Uh, now, is there anything that after watching this first episode you're a little reluctant on or anything anything else you want to add that you were really excited about? Yeah, so actually I do want to touch on some of the other uh, factions that we get in episode one, you know, outside yes, of just absolutely. the crows. And I think mm. that to me the next most interesting faction is, again, not the Sun Summoner. It is no. the Darkling in his liberation of the fellow Grisha and his gathering yes. of a Grisha army to him. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting because you know in the first uh, in the first season he sort of I don't want to say alienated them but he definitely left the, left them out to dry in a sense and now he controls the fold and you could tell like they were scared of him but at the same time like it's either we join you or we go back to being in chains and we're dying right because we see so, fellow Gre- we see lots of Grisha in cages like being like mm-hmm. poked at having a little bit of almost like um i don't want to call it racism but like prejudice against grisha taking place where you see Mm. like the the first army having them in cages and laughing about oh you got all the good rations well who's laughing now i'm gonna eat your good food ha 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 and And we're gonna let the fold yeah we're gonna let the fold but apparently it doesn't do that anymore no i did like though too with that scene because in the first season it seemed like okay the Darkling's going to have, be able to have the Vulc, the Vulcan, like, come out, follow him out. Yeah. They don't really follow him out. He almost, like, holds on to him like Pokemon. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good analogy. It's probably the, it's the best analogy I can say, because, like, he sort of swaths them, or, like, swaddles them in darkness. Yeah. But then, like, when they're done doing their thing, they, like, go back up his pant, uh, his pants. <laughs> they go back to his ball. <laughs> Uh, keep the Pokemon analogy going. <laughs> yeah, just kept it going there. Yeah, <laughs> I choose you. Okay, uh, Fulcrum. Yeah, I agree. It's it's really setting up for a nice interaction here. The world building already in this first episode too. Yeah, great. Yeah, uh, we see refugees coming from Ravka. We end up they they go to this um, the sun. Uh, they they're traveling. Oh my gosh, I forgot the name of the place that they went to. Oh man! But they're looking for. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, the name I'm of blanking it. on it man. right now. Need a map of all of the different places here. But anyway, I do have to say that seeing them end up in this new country was really interesting because there's different refugees from Ravka. We have different people coming from uh, Ketterdam, Ketterdam, which was the ta- the town where the crows are from. 
which I may have said that wrong. Oh, it's and Ketterdam, they're yeah. on the Yep, and the, oh yeah, I said it right. <laughs> and they're on their way. They're looking for amplifiers, like the antlers were in the first season, so that way she can take care of the fold. And she's going to try to use two, even though that's never been done before. So the place is Novi Zem. Yeah, and the reception they got there, and like I love how this place seems. It's bright, it's beautiful, vibrant. Yeah, it is not like Ravka. No, 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 very different from Ravka. And like you said, the world building by including this like very stark difference between the two societies is really cool. Yeah, and I like too that people were standing up to the first soldiers. Like, uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> like, we're just gonna stand in your way. You can't hurt us. Right. You're not even like you're not even our army citizens here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it just was really funny there that that, that kind of happened, I guess. And also to their view on Grisha. So I think that's really interesting because the Darkwing's all about like, oh, oh, the Grisha have always been treated so poorly. Like, did you ever get on a boat and go to anywhere else? <laughs> well, in his defense, in Fjorda, I think that's the name of the country, uh, they, yeah, they kill him. I know. And so it's not, I think that they were standing up to, for her because she was a Grisha. I think they were sitting up for her no. because she was the sun summoner and because oh, that the threat of the fold, while it's more limited to Ravka right now, I think the whole mm-hmm. world sees it as a threat. Well, it could be. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, just like the Grisha there are treated as blessed. But they you also know? were kind of secret. Mm-hmm. Like the librarian wasn't like powers. walking around in a bright coat telling what her class was for her Grisha powers. She was just wearing so, normal clothing. I almost see that as they're integrated mm. into society. They're not treated as a separate class. Like, yes, they're probably like, you're blessed, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's it. Like, we're, we're still, like, people, we're still members of the society. You just have some abilities that I don't have, and it's cool that you can help out our society by using those to help us. That's it. Good point, yeah. And which is how which is how they should be, and I think that's a really interesting way to sort of build out this world, and I don't know if she does this in the books or not, but it would be really cool to see these different ways that this group of people is treated in these different societies because I think that tells a lot about that society as a whole. And it can show that just like our world and we treat different groups differently, different places, unfortunately, it's, it's a very, it's a good sort of mirror to reflect that on. Mm, Yeah. I don't know. I think about X-Men as well in that sense too, and how they're treated in a lot of most of the Marvel universe. And it would be kind of nice if, in different areas, mutants were treated differently, you know? No, I totally get that. I think that's a good point. And I think as we spend more time in other cultures and seeing other cultures other than Ravka, that it'll be something to keep an eye on. To, like, see, like, if we go to Shuhan, how the Grisha are treated there. Yeah. And, like, you know, just farther build on this this world that is pretty intriguing, actually. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Very deep. I think it- that the... The concept of, like, Alina and Mal going on, like, a uh, Indiana Jones kind of hunt for the lost um, <laughs> the amplifiers, yeah. Lost amplifier, yeah. Uh, I think that that is going to be an interesting topic just to see, if anything, like, how long they actually drag that out. Like, is it going to be a situation where they spend the entire season going after this amplifier, or are they going to be able to, like get the amplifier, realize it's not enough, that they need the third, and then kind of, like, start their quest for uh, the, the third amplifier, the third legendary beast or whatever. 
it is. I think yeah. it's a bird. I don't I don't remember all that lore, so <laughs> I will be interested to see that as well. And I think obviously we're gonna have some issue. They they're gonna have to bring them all together at some point here again to have some yeah, conflict. Are they? You think? Because they are from separate book series, so they live in the same world. But well, I meant the Darkling and like the stories. Sun Summoner and stuff like. Oh, there's gonna yeah. have to be some kind of Definitely. clash. But That's they could they could keep the crows and all them separated until like their storyline sort of resolved, and yeah. you know then they're like okay we're, we we want to go back and help the saint now. <laughs> so what do you make of the linked dreaming between the Darkling and the Sun Summoner? I think it makes sense because they are opposites in terms of like power, and I'm pretty sure we're gonna he see he had her linked to him as well at one point when he was able to control her power. Yes. So I kind of look at it, took at it that way where like even though she got rid of his control over her, they do still have a bond. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. I don't know. I'm going to be interested to see if the ba- or if Bagra shows back up. Oh, his mom, yeah. Because I feel like she's not just gone. No, no, no. I don't think she's going to be just gone. So I think that she'll be coming back for like some kind of final confrontation against him. Or maybe helping her to train again. Yeah, very true. And I think that would be really interesting to give some more context to him. And like, because she was going to send, she was originally trying to save her anyway. And it would be kind of interesting to mm-hmm. see what her plan originally was. And yeah, just sort of how that all should have went and it didn't. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny when you think about this series, like how different things could have gone if the Sun Summoner never found out the Darkling's true nature. You know, like, yeah. would she be, like, in a relationship with him right now, being oh, his little absolutely. puppet? absolutely. And, yeah, so it could have taken this series in a very different direction. Mm-hmm. So for that, I'm I'm cool with Mal coming in and, like, saving the day by, by, doing, <laughs> by spoiling that. But I want to jump in and talk about that relationship between Mal and Alina here because, to me, like I had mentioned at the start of the episode, that was one of the big highlights of this first episode for season two is that there's some regret that they didn't start this relationship sooner. And they're like, well, we're not wasting any other time, any more time come tonight. It's gone. It's on. And (laughs) And so then it's not. But so my question for you is, do you think this relationship is going to be one of those Will they, won't they? Oh my gosh, he's going to outgrow him. Oh, they just kissed. Oh, now they're fighting again and never actually happen type of relationships? Or do you feel like they're going to actually have this delayed, um, prolonged kind of courtship where they like want each other but just are not able to and then they finally are able to get it? I think it's going to be the second there because... yeah. It's it's just like teasing us right now, and then eventually it's going to happen. And it's going to be great. Everyone's going to be like, "Oh my gosh, they finally did it!" <laughs> so what? Why I bring that up is because you know, for everything that we like about the show, the book series is based on is technically like a young adult fantasy romance, book. Yeah, um, and so or, romance yeah. is going to be key for it. But what it really made me think of it was about the Hunger Games mm. with you know Katniss and Peeta. And how well that also had a love triangle. uh, Yes, they they did have a love triangle. And this one had a love triangle in the first season and in the first book with, you know, the the Darkling. But that's done. Like 
that's not happening anymore. That's done, yeah. Who knows, maybe this uh, maybe this sea captain dude will come in and sweep <laughs> her off her feet. That would be really, I mean, I think that would be kind of dumb, because she's, like, so yeah. committed to him. It would have to be him getting jealous, Mal getting jealous and being stupid. And, then, and if that's the case, I don't know how, probably just going to try to ignore it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you do bring up a good point. I think that we had talked in the books a little bit about them continuing on and him, her possibly outgrowing him and her like lust for power because she's like searching for power to vanquish, you know, the Darkling. But in the hunt for power, is she going to start to become... Is she going to lose her humanity? Yeah, lose, and lose kind of some of herself. the Darkling. Except, you know, or light that burns. Light. Yeah. And like you even saw it right. with the map, right? She burned the map. So her powers aren't <laughs> just all like... Oh, you know, sunshine and rainbows, like... There's heat to that light. Yeah, and she, if she's not careful, she could turn. So I think that's the edge they really have to walk with her. And if they do want their relationship to sort of go in and out or be kind of in flux, she has to do something really bad. And, like, as she's mm. getting in this search for power, like, maybe she gets the first amplifier, and then it does start to go to her, her head a bit. And then he or she starts loses to, control and does mm, some damage with something, and doesn't see it as a bad thing. That's the mm. thing; it has to change who she is a little bit in terms of her humanity and her compassion, which which is hard. They can't just make it a flip switch; like it has to be something that's gradual. But that would be something that would have Mel kind of like, "Hey, you're becoming just like him." So and then, hear me out for this. Yeah, yeah. So she gets a second amplifier. She goes to the fold and tries to blasted away right uh-huh she ends up blasting away a part of the fold shrinking it down but she also like blasts like a village or something that's like right on the outside of the fold and like mm. obliterates that and it becomes like a scorched like earth mordor inferno like type of situation or something in the earth. yeah yeah and so then she kind of has to deal with the whole well i'm getting rid of the darkness it's like you know uh, it's uh, a collateral damage. Cost. Yeah. Is yeah. it worth it? And yeah. then Mal could kind of be like, it's not worth it. You know, like just kind of create a light shield or whatever. And she's like, no, it has to be destroyed. Whatever the cost. Yeah. And then he has to stop her. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think like it's, she's definitely going to have to like tackle this whole humanity versus power thing, which not all For the sure. Grisha, not all the Grisha have to deal with because some of them they're not super powerful are yeah they're not super powerful but i think that is a very interesting conflict for them so uh yeah. i think we d- we kind of did some theories right there uh i'm not <laughs> i'm not going to go into like what we think is going to happen in the next episode you started watching it and i'll be watching it soon i'm excited that's all i'm excited for the season <laughs> eight episodes yeah it's yeah it's gonna be great i mean my only regret already is just how short this season is going to be I only know. eight episodes. And I keep saying only because I wish it was 10 at least, but it's all out there. So um, I'm sure you and I will be devouring this sooner rather than later. Yeah. And we'll have to have Sean come back on because he's read a good portion of the books, actually. Yeah. Or I think all that'd be of the great. books. So it would be kind of fun to have him talk about it in terms of the entire scope of the series. I'll have to talk with him. The about only that. thing I'd be hesitant about is I don't want to get anything spoiled. Oh, I know, so. I know. But I just mean like if if what's happening is going to be how he feels it's going to align with the rest of the series versus 
you know, if it's going to, right. if it's, like, if it's going reader, in a comparing, good direction yeah. versus if he thinks like they might be going <laughs> a little too, too much into their own lore or own canon. Because I will say that that is the one thing that you and I don't have for this series is we don't have a foundation in the books. No. We have a foundation in the series itself we on really Netflix. We enjoy it. And we read yeah, the first book. I mean, and we both kind of thought that honestly the, the show, show was, was better because <laughs> it did make the darkling less creepy it did it did he was way too creepy in the fir- in the book itself yeah, but there yeah, yeah i mean you and i i think Ooh. we have first loyalty with this series to the show so seeing how first. someone else who <laughs> has a foundation in the source material yeah how they feel about the show how they feel yeah. the series is going as it's diverging or if it's not diverging from the books uh we'll we can find out, but seeing how he feels about it will offer a different perspective than mm. what you and I can offer. Absolutely. All right. Well, with all of that being said, we're excited to watch more Shadow and Bone season two. But until next time, this is going to be Two Nerds signing off. See ya. See ya. <laughs>